President Biden is celebrating what he called a strong night for Democrats after his party outperformed expectations in the midterms. The president says Americans sent a clear and unmistakable message last night about democracy and abortion rights. In a rare, wide-ranging press conference late today, President Biden answered questions about working with the GOP despite possible investigations into his son Hunter, whether he'll run for re-election, and even what he thinks of a Trump-DeSantis showdown for the Republican nomination. And at this hour, control of Congress is still up for grabs. CBS News estimates the battle for the House as lean Republican. It could take several days before we know which party will have the majority. And it could be weeks before we know which party will control the Senate, with three races still undecided. Plus, it's now official that that Senate race in Georgia, a hotly contested seat, well, it is headed for a runoff. That's in December. History was made at the ballot box last night. I stand before you tonight. Massachusetts elected the nation's first openly lesbian U.S. governor. Westmore becomes the first African-American governor elected in Maryland and just the third in U.S. history. Voters elected the first Gen Z U.S. congressman, a 25-year-old in Florida. And at 40, former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be the youngest U.S. governor when she's sworn in in Arkansas. For all the results defied expectations overnight and history for the party in the White House, there was no red wave as some had predicted. Instead, a split decision across this country. President Biden before the cameras late today calling it a good day for democracy and a good day for America. The White House with video of the president making phone calls last night congratulating many Democrats who won hard fought races. Of course, one of the major headlines of the night, Democrats flipping the Pennsylvania Senate seat. John Fetterman beating Dr. Oz, who was backed by former President Trump. But three other races too close to call in Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Warnock with a slight lead, but neither hitting 50 percent. So that race now heads to a runoff. Nevada Senate race still too close to Santos obviously won big in Florida, including getting a lot of Latino votes. Uh, do you think I mean, do you see him as the future Republic of the Republican Party? Would would yeah. Yeah, well, I don't. But I think, you know, certainly he's probably in the lead right now, kind of in a, a, a bit of a front runner status. Again, I think what we're going to see over the next week is, you know, how does Donald Trump pivot from this? Because he's certainly not going to take his loss. He's going to try to throw DeSantis under the bus. He's certainly going to go after McCarthy. And if he's able to do that successfully, and he has been over the last number of times, um, then again, Ron DeSantis is going to have a kind of a short lived victory here. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 12th of November, year of our Lord, 2022. Having some mic issues, so it's going to be a little low muted. I don't know what's going on. It does this from time to time. I've done everything I can on my end. I might have to go back to the... Uh...
once again, thinking that he is the reason that, or he is the arbiter of who a Republican is, which I thought was good. Going to do the same old setup today, a couple sound bites up front, do an Arizona hit, some uh, trans crap, the DeSantis is beginning, very interesting. So I think uh, before I start, because I, I don't want to forget this, and I'm going the wrong way, so excuse me. Oh, I just... Fuck it! We're doing it live! Alright, I fucked that up, so we didn't do it live. I forgot to actually add this, but... This is Hillary Clinton wishing a um, happy Veterans Day using a photo that she lied about saying she was shot at in Bosnia. Well documented. This is why we don't have a media. We don't have a media at all. Because a Republican couldn't do this. You couldn't lie. She's lying. And she has the ovaries to post that lie. So, thought that was interesting. Our first stop on the bad soundbite parade is going to be Chris Hayes and the MSDNC crew cackling. So did you hear the news? There was no red wave last night. While this is a pretty surprising development to most people, including us here at the desk, imagine, just imagine being a viewer of Fox News today after weeks of being promised one. Be an analyst for a second. Does it feel like a red wave? It feels like a red wave, Brian. You know, your predictions of a red wave are accurate. Somebody made a surfboard said the red wave is coming. Red wave rising. That red wave that I'm convinced is coming. The reports I'm seeing show a big red wave coming. Sleepy Joe just guaranteed a red wave in Pennsylvania. There's a lot of energy on the ground. You probably hear the rally in the background right now. We think we're going to have a big red wave in Michigan. Wow. Democrats are bracing for the worst case scenario, a red tsunami. We are officially on a red tsunami watch. Sean, we're going to see a red tsunami. Red tsunami grows. That means red tsunami. And we're not just going to see a red wave. We're going to see a red tsunami. Poverty, joblessness, critical race theory, crazy gender ideology in our schools. We are going to see a red tsunami. And lastly, your prediction for tonight. I think we're going to have a red wave. I think it's going to be maybe bigger than anyone thought. On Tuesday, we will be part of a big red wave that says enough is enough. Up next, Elon Musk ready to ride the big red wave. Elon Musk tweeted massive red wave. Massive red wave. Massive red wave. Massive red wave. You are about to see a red wave that makes day after tomorrow look like nothing. That's going to be responsible for the red wave. I think the red wave that's coming is going to be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. <laughs> Rogan said that the red wave is going to look like the elevator doors opening and the blood pouring out of the elevator in The Shining. Like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. That is correct, except it's not going to be an elevator. It's going to look more like Deep Impact, the tsunami at the end, but colored red. Remember that Taya Leone Deep Impact disaster movie? That's the red wave tsunami that'll come ashore. It's going to be a brutal week for the Democrats beginning on Tuesday. And frankly, I've already DVR'd CNN and MSNBC for election night, not because I'm going to watch, but just because I want to enjoy the tears post-red uh, tsunami. What happened to the red wave, Congresswoman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm back at the panel here. Uh the fact that they could actually mock Fox 
it, whenever Fox and MSDNC or CNN or whatever start mocking each other, it is the, the most ridiculous thing. But, but that's our media. That, that's where we roll. This is the world we're in. Then we have Doris Goodwin, who used to be a straight-up reporter, comparing the Dems staving off the Republicans as surviving the Great Depression. The simple question is, where are we when it comes to our nation, our democracy? Is there, you're a historian, is, can we look back on a time that gives us hope that, that we got through that was similar to this, Doris? Oh, we've always gotten through tough times. I mean, I think that's what history, that's why I love history so much. I mean, just think about what people who were living through the Civil War felt, what people who were living through the Great Depression felt, what people felt in those early days of, of World War II when it didn't look like the Allies and democracy was going to win. And they didn't know what we know now. They didn't know how the story would end. They didn't know that the Civil War would end with the Union restored and emancipation secured. They didn't know the Depression would come to an end with the mobilization of war. They didn't know the Allies would win World War II. So so they lived with the anxiety we're coming through now. But we came through each one of those times with greater strength. And I think there may have been a moment, what we saw in the midterms, where people were voting what they knew was wrong, what they knew was right. And there's still a lot more that has to happen. There's just As we will spend some sizable time on election in Arizona specifically, here is a Nevada official saying it could take up to November 18th. And remember, um, third world countries count in one day third world company countries folks and these people once again they spend their time saying you can't talk about the sanctity of elections blah blah fucking blah but you can't even finish in one day so here's some Project Veritas that is just disturbing. You hold it with it. Yeah, yeah. Anyone need Democratic Party information? You good? So you, you're uh, telling me I should vote John Fetterman, I should vote Joshua Shapiro. If you vote that, Democratic, that'll make... All of them are the Democratics. You only got one against one. Project Veritas action journalists were told who to vote for just mere feet outside a polling center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania today. This is referred to as electioneering. Check this out. Not only are Democratic candidates' campaign materials posted at the door where the voting machines are located, watch as our undercover journalists are handed instructions on exactly how to vote. Democratic Party. What's that? I know. I think he's a Democratic. Okay. For the common man, just the guy, the guy, you got a lot of money. You want some tax shelter? That's the way to go. What do you do, Rudy? Do you just work here, or I'm a committee person. Are you do work with the office here? I'm a committee person. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Whoever the majority of the community. Yeah. So you're, you're uh, telling me I should vote John Fetterman, I should vote Joshua Shapiro, that, that'll make... All of them are the Democratics. You only got one against one. 
and the, 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 and now they're kind of standing more for at this point. For for poor people, and these I would say more for people with money. Right, right. Usually, yeah. the yeah, yeah. So you're saying more? It's better off by default. Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. Anyone need Democratic Party information? You good? We're scared of him. We're scared of Mehmet. Yeah. yeah. These guys are way, way right. I mean, I'm for someone being liberal, but not way liberal. Yeah, right. Nobody gone too being far. way right. Yeah. You know, like like a Republican that's liberal or a Democrat that's a little to the right. That's how I look at things. You know? Yeah. The middle road. We're scared of him. We're scared of him. Okay. So don't vote. I'm going to talk to someone that works at the Board of Elections. I don't let them know these keys are here. They're obviously some sort of elections keys. Uh, basically, I, I came around the block and I realized that there's a set of keys on top of this ballot box. I realized that uh, this is the closest station here. You work for the Philadelphia Board of Elections? Yes, I do. Do these fit this box? I wouldn't know. I haven't touched them. I wouldn't know. Is this... Across the country, election officials are facing an unprecedented number of threats and potentially dangerous confrontations. You frauded out America of a real election where Donald Trump blew your lie out of the water. We'll kill you. You know um, what happens to corrupt Democrat politicians and election officials? You know what happens? He learned firsthand the hard way why the Second Amendment exists. Already, armed poll watchers in tactical gear have been monitoring ballot boxes in Arizona, raising the specter of conflict and even violence in the election. President Biden this week pleading with Americans in a way no president has had to do in generations. There's no place, no place for voter intimidation or political violence in America whether it's directed at Democrats or Republicans. We got an inside look at how elections officials in some states are trying to keep the process and themselves safe. In Adams County, Colorado, County Clerk Josh Ziegelbaum had to overhaul his workplace. So this is headquarters. Yes, this is the elections office. This area has changed. It's more secure now than it was? Correct. Um, and there's panic buttons? There's panic buttons Each underneath. Clerk has really tried to harden the office as a target as much as we could. Those safety measures extend way past the doors of his office. And I have had some incidences in, in the past where people followed me back to my neighborhood. You were followed? That prompted me to start talking with the sheriff about you know, personal safety. Uh, he recommended that I wear a, a ballistic vest whenever I feel necessary. I wear one pretty much every single day. What does it say that you are the county clerk in this county, and you have to come to work every day with body armor. It, it says that you know there, our democracy isn't a, as probably healthy as it should be right now. Donald Trump's refusal to accept the certified results in 2020 let loose a toxic lie in America. I don't believe we'll ever have a fair election again. I don't believe it. And it's all taking a toll. In Nevada, at least nine out of 17 counties have seen their top election officials resign, retire early, or decline to seek re-election. And in many states, law enforcement officials are sending stern reminders, as Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner did this week. Extremists of any type 
who are pondering interfering in any way with a free, fair, and final election better be warned. But sometimes the best medicine is transparency. Stephanie Ferris joined the Adams County Clerk's Office just after the 2020 election. I am very proud of this job. I came to Adams County as a skeptic because of what I'd seen on the news and in the media. And, and um, I was very rewarded or very excited to find that there are so many quality checks, almost redundancies that we do to ensure the vote and to ensure the quality of the vote. Interesting. So you came into this job thinking you can't really trust elections or there's well, something wrong with them. Right. Yeah. How does that happen? You know, all of the bad things that you see. How in the world could that happen? And so... And how do you feel now? Oh, it, it's almost an impossibility that those things could happen. Somewhat hopeful there. And Terry Moran now joins us. Terry, what are the consequences for these poll workers? It's very real for poll workers. Obviously, a lot of them are, are scared. But more important, in some ways, for the country, in many places, there are shortages of poll workers now because people don't want to get involved. These people, most of them are volunteers, retirees, and that will mean longer lines in some places. In some places, they may consolidate. Uh, don't worry. I have some stuff on Arizona that's really, really disturbing. We're going to leave that there to start our next segment. But before we get there, it's really important that we realize that the media is not objective and that the media is pushing for one party and one party only. When you rube normals fail to vote for who they want, well, they're going to push them anyway. And in this classic clip, it will now be a classic clip, with Katie Turr talking that Fetterman should run for president, and then a lot of people talking that we really need to get Liz Cheney reelected. It pretty much shows they're not journalists. Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president, um, I know there's some variables, obviously, <laughs> but just a few. <laughs> but I just, you know, it, it, what he did in the in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania, and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as you were saying, ran ahead of Trump. I mean, it just makes it makes you wonder about his future. So it's kind of tough to put them all in one bucket, but I'm just wondering, so at least what happens to some of the candidates that we've been seeing that have had a national voice for so long uh, and now are facing defeat? Well, Stacey Abrams, I think, is in a category of her own just because of the operation she built in Georgia that Democrats are relying on to bring home another Senate seat in this runoff. And she seems like she would be on a glide path to a really plumb Biden administration post just because of her visibility and her success in Georgia. And then Beto O'Rourke, I really wonder, because now he's had two pretty big losses statewide in Texas. And I don't really see where he runs again in Texas, where the apparatus would get behind him for another go round. Let me throw out a couple of other names if I can. So you've got Val Demings, right? You've got Liz Cheney, um, Sherry Beasley, Tim Ryan, a top Democrat suggested to me, watch for Tim Ryan in years in the future to run for president. I mean, I don't know. Do you count these folks out? I, I, is, is, are many of them maybe the right candidate in the wrong state? 
Well, what about if we have we pair up Liz Cheney and Stacey Abrams and actually start talking about universal voting and election reform? I could see them doing kind of a czar. These people just don't understand America. They keep getting rewarding with wins. But it was very interesting that, you know, Biden was very gloaty. We'll have a little bit in our sink section today. But Caitlin Collins didn't seem like she wanted Uncle Joe to run again. When he got asked about running in 2024, I feel like the calculus changed overnight, even from what we were hearing from Democrats. He still was not ready to go out there and say he's running. What'd you make of that response? I thought it was a tiny crack in the door, but he's running, I think. Yeah. I don't, he hasn't talked to me about it, but I think he's running. But you got to leave a tiny crack in case he changes his mind or things change or the family's not into it. He, he, I noticed the mm -hmm. first lady was sitting at that press conference. <laughs> yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And he looked over at her. <laughs> We're going to go away and have a family meeting. Uh, but why wouldn't he? I know he's old and a lot of people are tired and blah, blah. But he has, he has done more in two years than a guy half his age could do in four. Mm. And so, you know, as like the kids say in sports, scoreboard, look that's, what he's done. That's a good question, though. Why wouldn't he? Right. Why, why wouldn't he? Why would, you have to ask somebody else. I mean, I think he's doing a great job. I'm a, kind of a Biden guy. I like what he's doing. Mm. Um, th we have seen a lot of emerging new stars it, in the Democratic it, Party the in this election. The question, why Tuesday. wouldn't he, is because of the toil of the campaign. Yeah. And we have to remember that in 2020, Joe Biden won an abbreviated campaign because of COVID. And so he wasn't in every diner in Iowa. He didn't have to go to every Super tu SEC Tuesday state. I mean, the campaign is a monster. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to go into a DeSantis section, but right now she's leading. Lauren Boebert has done something to the mainstream media. I think it's the guns. They call her something Barbie. They treat her horrible. But I just want to highlight, you know, before we get into our big sections and multiple sound bites, MSNBC said this about a female. What's the meaning if uh, Lauren Boebert, the second most popular QAnon congressperson in MAGA, what if she goes, what if she loses? And what job will she have? Because I don't even think well, shooters think exist anymore. Beep, beep, I don't think shooters exist anymore. What well, I, I guess it, it, might I be a, it might be a gain for, for, for OnlyFans. Uh, I, I don't know what she would do in this scenario, but I think that... They um, literally said OnlyFans. Think if you said that about Dr. Biden. Then you have this. The Empress of Trollistan, Carrie Lake, is having the time of her life. Yeah, that's okay. We don't have any problems. But DeSantis is their big target. So here is uh, WAPO, because you know they're going to fucking go into attack mode. Before they attack the company, Ron DeSantis, who is up for re-election next week, was a groom walking down the aisle in a Disney wedding. Oh, that's just, oh, man. Um, I, <laughs> I just don't know how you get this so in your head. Michael McDonald, Florida Democrat, ran a Republican 
white candidate who ran a tepid campaign for governor against DeSantis, who was a hundred million war chest, and the power of incumbency, Democrat clearly said, "Man, it's not voting." What about DeSantis' politicians, who's likely to have to hear much about him in the next two years? So far, he does not inflame Dems in the same way Trump does. He gives the same policies that please reps, but it's less personality driven. So takes like this about Florida wrong. I suspect we'll hear more about how DeSantis changed Florida to be a solid red state. And he did. He completely did. He has got a dynasty down there. Can he, the harsh spotlight. When, tell me in this montage, the media hasn't been attacking this guy since fucking he beat that crack addict who got caught in a hotel naked. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole? You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. The Latino vote has been so interesting. We yes. obviously have the results in from Florida, but, uh, you know, Democrats cannot take the Latino vote for granted. It's interesting. You know, I, I'm convinced that there is no Latino vote. There are just Latino voters, and they vote differently depending on their sensitivity, their life experience, even where their parents and grandparents are from. But I've been talking to, you know, Chuck yeah. Todd. I think the story. There's 34.5 million Latino eligible to vote in this election. 15% of the electorate is Latino. That's a massive amount of people. And I think that where it's been, and it's an outlier, no doubt, is Florida. Yeah. The, the impact of Latino voters in Florida, DeSantis winning majority, the Cuban vote, majority of the Puerto Rican vote in that I-4 corridor, uh, 55% of the Puerto Rican vote, 50% of all of the other Latino voters in the state of Florida, Miami-Dade. He's going to outpoll Marco Rubio in his... In Miami-Dade. Yeah. In Miami-Dade. Well, Marco Rubio didn't win his county, right. uh, you know, the last time he, he ran. But I think that, that it's important to recognize the strength of the Latino vote throughout our country. And, you know, we know, uh, you know, Nevada. We know California. Uh, first senator, first Latino senator uh, for the state of California, now reelected. Uh, it's interesting. There really isn't a Latino vote. But but it, but is Florida now a solid red state? Seems to me like it's a solid. No longer a swing state. It's a solid Republican state for now, but it's more a DeSantis state. Yeah, I agree with you on that, and DeSantis. You know, Jose, I had a Democratic consultant say to me, I, "I'm tired. We we got to stop." putting Latinos in a box and trying to like treat them as African-Americans, that, that, that there's one issue that will somehow unite, that Latino voters are, are just what Jose said, stop trying to single them out. Instead, whatever you're pitching swing voters, pitch that to Latino voters, that demographics and just like the same thing, how we carve up the white vote in those different buckets, but that's... Fun to watch. Uh, joining us now, CNN politics reporter and editor-at-large, Chris Eliza. So, um... President Trump, former President Trump, may be feeling heat a little bit after Republicans appear to have underdelivered. That, of course, is not how he's spinning it. Important to note. Um, conservative media also has a pretty interesting take on these results. Yeah, uh, 
I'm using this term advisedly. There are some cracks in Donald Trump's support among conservative media. I want to show the New York Post uh, cover. Uh, Donald Trump as Humpty Dumpty, uh, that he, Trumpty Dumpty, that he had a big fall. Uh, this is the New York Post being the New York Post. I mean, let's, uh, let's not say this is the entire conservative movement, but it is worth noting that on the day after the election, they had a headline about Ron DeSantis and how strong he was. On the second day after the election, they have a headline about Donald Trump and maybe him losing his grip on the Republican Party. On a more serious note, the Wall Street Journal editorial board has an editorial that makes the point that I, I've tried to make the people over and over again just in pointing out Donald Trump's record. He's won one race, 2016. He lost the House and the Senate during his time in office for Republicans, and he lost the 2020 presidential race. Uh, there have, then you go to 2022, there have been losses there too. So I think you're seeing, Erica, some, some elements of discontent within the Republican Party about Donald Trump. I, I hesitate to say that's the entire party. I think we have to be careful in making yeah. generalizations like that, but there's at least some. Yeah, and remember, on January 7th, 2021, there were a lot of folks who were pronouncing the end of the Trump right reign, as it were, and, yep. and, and things changed. Lord, and I pray, God, that come November the 8th, uh, wherever the election day, this, this coming Tuesday, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that Christians turn out all over the state of Georgia, all over the United States, and that we vote our conscience and vote for the person that is the most uh, like you, Lord, and I believe that it's Herschel in the great state of Georgia. Sweet Jesus. That's how uh, Georgia's Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker was introduced yesterday in a bus stop. What's happened? Around the state. Uh, you know, also. What has happened? Also, there was this Ron DeSantis ad. It was like a um, sort of like a and God religious. Cre God created a man. Just need to understand. Like, you the... know, seriously, Ron, don't throw Jesus under the bus. Yeah. All right. That's like you, you do your thing. Right. But I've never heard. I literally never heard anything like that before in my life. To say that God made me to be governor of the state of Florida. So I, yes. I told you he was going to win bigly. Mm -hmm. But listen. Ron DeSantis barely won in 2018 by 35,000 votes by the skin of his teeth against a black progressive little known mayor from Tallahassee, Florida. It didn't. To, yesterday, he won by 20 percentage points. Why? Because he gamed the system, because he turned Florida into an unlevel playing field. But my gosh, does Ron DeSantis, has he set up shop in Donald Trump's head? Yes, he has. Now, look, there, there's actually one truth in. Donald Trump's statement, and that is that Ron DeSantis owes his political career to the former president. Without question, there is nobody in America that more deftly and successfully used Donald Trump. Yeah. And I, I say used, right? He, he was the ambassador of Trumpism when he was in the House. He then uses Trump to get to the governor's mansion. And then he steps aside from Trump and he gets mm -hmm. adjacent to Trump. He doesn't defend him, but he also doesn't criticize him. And the one, the one component that this story is currently missing yeah. is Ron DeSantis has never taken the bait. I mean, I, I think a lot of people are waiting to hear what is the posture of Ron DeSantis <clears throat> in this moment? Does he just say nice things about the president and move on? Because right now, look, he's got the hot hand. He doesn't need to engage in the scrum. Ron DeSantis is famously has a very glass jaw, fragile ego. You, you get him on the ropes and you start to see a Ron DeSantis that is not the manufactured package you see today. That last soundbite, she, she's just hateful. Remember, she was a Republican. Uh, local paper, nice knowing you. 
Florida. Nice knowing you, Florida. That's that's what they put out, and that was okay. You know, before we do our sync, because we're going to do our sync, and then I'm going to scream for a bit because of one of the sound bites in there. He's been told no numerous times. And remember, Biden literally does all sorts of stuff that are illegal, and the media doesn't crush him like Trump, where they would just go crazy. And, oh, I'm getting warm. I got a fire going. We had snow and rain. I'll talk about my walk this morning in a bit. It was sporty. But this student loan thing, they actually did surveys, and this is what they said. 52 said they'll use the extra money to buy clothes, so they'll go on vacation, go out to eat, say they'll buy drugs or alcohol, gamble. We will pay $600 billion more in taxes. And it was literally carried, I think this is CNN. Money Minute. Recipients of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to $300 a month in the coming weeks. But get this, 73% say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out. And joining us now is the NBC Tech Check co-anchor Deirdre Bosa. So Deirdre, why are people more inclined to spend the money they're saving on non-essentials instead of paying off their bills? I think we may know the answer. Well, that, that could be according to one survey, but it, you know, it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy traveling and eating out rather than worrying about the future. One financial coach tells CNBC.com that you should not use the loan forgiveness only for long-term goals. Your short, short-term self may get frustrated and give up on planning ahead altogether. So instead, they say, make sure your regular bills are paid, check in on your goals, and try to achieve a balance that also lets you invest in your future self. I'm sorry. It was, um, MSDNC. So the guy who went out and bought his own truck, the guy who went out and put money into his company, he don't get shit back. You and I, we don't get nothing. Couldn't even go to college. I was serving the country. This is the map right now, and for the first time ever, I'm not hearing the media talk about how we need to go to the popular vote because... Overall, in the popular vote, Republicans are crushing the Dems by 5%. The very interesting thing about it is also all you heard was gerrymandering. Gerrymandering. That's all we heard. And come to find out, it looks like the Dems did a better job than Republicans in making districts that they couldn't lose. So here is our commander-in-chief. I... I have to do one of these each show. For how long? It was a deadly earnest question. For how long? And I looked at them, and then another one went on to say, and I'm not going to name them, went on to say, what would you say, Joe, if in fact you went, we went to bed tonight here in, in England, woke up the next morning and found out that thousands of people had stormed the Parliament of, of Great Britain, gone down the hall, broken down the doors, 
two cops ended up dying, a number of people injured, and they tried to stop the, the confirmation of an election. It's not the same situation, obviously, as we have. And he said, what would you think? And what, I asked a rhetorical question, what would you all think? You'd think England was really in trouble. You'd think democracy was on the edge if that happened in Great Britain. And so that's the way people were looking at us. Like, when's this going to stop? Nothing like this has happened since the Civil War. I don't want to exaggerate, but literally, nothing like this has happened since the Civil War. And so what I find is that they want to know, is the United States stable? Do we know what we're about? Are we the same democracy we've always been? Because, look, the rest of the world looks to us. I don't mean that we're always, like we're always right. But if the United States tomorrow were to, quote, withdraw from the world, a lot of things would change around the world. A whole lot would change. And so they're very concerned that we are still the open democracy we've been and that we have rules and the institutions matter. And that's the context in which I think that they're looking at, are we back to a place where we are going to accept decisions made by the court, by the Congress, by the government, et cetera? So the entire genesis of that G7 conversation was tied to your predecessor, who is about to launch another campaign. So how do you reassure them if that is the reason for their questioning that the former president will not return, that his political movement, which is still very strong, uh, will not oh, yeah. once again take power in the United <laughs> States. Well, um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by, uh, if, we, uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he, uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. Good afternoon. Well, we had an election yesterday. And uh, it was a good day, I think, for democracy. And I think it was a good day for America. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a little horse. Obviously, a lot of attention on 2024 now that the votes have been cast in the midterms. Two-thirds of Americans in exit polls say that they don't think you should run for re-election. What is your message to them, and how does that factor into your final decision about whether or not to run for re-election? It doesn't. What's your message to them? To those two-thirds of Americans? Watch me. You guys have pointed to some statewide races where some prominent elections deniers did not win, but I believe at the latest count, at least 145 election deniers running for the U.S. House have won their races. So. Given that, how, how does the president assess the state of U.S. democracy and the health of that democracy when so many election deniers are being elected to Congress, a majority of the Republican caucus? So the president has been very clear that he still see, sees that uh, he believes our democracy is still under under threat and that the American people have to defend it. That's something that he's going to continue to say. And the part of that is rejecting election lies or those who would use violence to overthrow democracy. And so you did see that from the American people. Uh, but again, it's still under threat. It, one election will not change that, right? And so there's still work to be done. There's still work to strengthen our democracy and there's still work to protect our democracy. Energy Agency recently concluded that our significant climate investment will, quote, help turbocharge 
the emerge the ener the the excuse me turbo turbocharge the emerging global clean energy clean energy economy. I was reading their quote. Sorry. <laughs> While at the COP27 conference in Sharm El Sheikh, Joe Biden did open his remarks by remembering veterans. Of course, he doesn't care about the tens of millions of veterans. Only cares about his friends, the liberal lunatics like John Kerry. Former Senator Kerry, now his climate czar, he thanked him personally as one of America's most decorated veterans. Now, a lot of people on the right are losing their mind over this, but bear in mind that in his four-month tour as a swift boat commander, John Kerry did receive three Purple Heart awards, decorations, as well as a Silver Star and a Bronze Star with a V for Valor. So, at least in someone's mind, John Kerry is a hero. But I'm not here to denigrate John Kerry's military service. Uh, his conduct after the war says more than enough about the character of John Kerry and who he really is. But that doesn't obviate his service in uniform. But it is sad that Joe Biden only remembers his buddies from the Vietnam era and not the rest of us. Shame on him. Shame on him. He honored John Kerry. Hmm. I thought John Kerry threw back all his, order, his, his awards. That's how I remember it. So let's move into our Arizona. This is Katie Hobbs in the voting room. This would be totally off limits if you were a Republican. I mean, you would find that to be inappropriate. Why is the candidate in the room where they're counting the votes? I'm just asking, once again, for a friend. But she's able to. We're going to start with Tucker first, because I think he succinctly sums this up. A lot more than half of the entire population of the entire state of Arizona lives in Maricopa County. The cities of Mesa, Tempe, Scottsdale, and largest of all, Phoenix, are all within the county's borders. If you want to win statewide in Arizona, you have to win Maricopa County. Unfortunately, as of tonight, we still don't know who has won Maricopa County, either in the U.S. Senate race there or in the governor's race in Arizona, because officials are not even close to finishing the count. 48 hours after the voting stopped, there are still 633,000 ballots still uncounted in Arizona. More than 400,000 of those are in Maricopa County. You're seeing it on your screen right now. When will we know the results? Last night, election officials claimed they'd have a new tally for us by 8 p.m. Eastern, the beginning of our show. But the deadline came and went. By the end of the night, they had finished counting fewer than 70,000 more votes. Then they said they'd have final totals by Friday, tomorrow. But no. Today, the county officials said they don't expect to announce the results of the elections until next week at the earliest. When do you anticipate the votes will be counted in total, those 400,000 plus votes? Well, we have, uh, we will be going into next week. There's some onesie twosies, uh, again, pursuant to Arizona law, but I think that we'll see the lion's share here wrap up by early next week. Okay. Early next week, can you give me a day? Are we early, talking Monday? Or we... may, may, maybe, I, as long as you won't hold it to, hold me to it. Can you tell us, Mr. Official, Mr. Election Official, when we might learn who won the election? Maybe, as long as you don't hold me to it. That was the chairman of the Maricopa County Supervisors. Notice what you did not hear in that exchange. You did not hear an apology. The guy in charge of election results never said sorry for not providing those results. 
it's hard to understand this. It's not a resource problem, certainly. The budget of Maricopa County is about $4.5 billion a year. For perspective, the entire Hoover Dam cost $890 million to build, and yes, that is in adjusted dollars. So for the price of five Hoover Dams, Maricopa County can't even count the ballots in a single statewide election in a country that claims to care about democracy. They can't even manage to let people vote on election day. On election day, according to the county, 70 of 223 polling places suffered major problems with voting machines, machines the county paid millions for just recently. And their failure disenfranchised mostly Republican voters who wanted to cast their ballots in person. One poll worker reported that 25% of ballots were being rejected. Now you would call that third world, but actually it's beneath third world. Most third world countries have serious elections. They require voter ID. They don't wait days for election results in Ghana. In Venezuela, whatever you think of it, they tally their ballots within hours. But suddenly we can't manage to do that? Clark County, Nevada, the home of Las Vegas, says there are still tens of thousands of ballots left to count. Therefore, we're not going to know what happened in the election until Monday, we hope. We're going to talk to Adam Laxalt about that in a minute. He's running for Senate there. Officials in Clark County are clearly overwhelmed. They're too busy to finish the one job they are paid to do. And yet, strangely, they still have time to attack Donald Trump on social media, which they've been doing all day. First things first. But it's not just Nevada and Arizona. Key house races all along the west coast of the country, in California, Oregon, and Washington State, are still unsettled tonight. They're saying they haven't counted the votes. Really? What is this? Is this fraud? We're not sure. And on some level, it doesn't matter what it is. What we know is that the mechanics of our elections are not working, almost exclusively in states and cities run by Democrats. Are they cheating? Are they disorganized? Again, not relevant. The system is obviously out of control. It's flaky. And systems like that cannot be, by definition, reliable. Would you let a Maricopa County elections official fly your aircraft? Probably not. That's a disaster. Democracy is a faith-based system. You have to believe in it in order for it to work. But who could believe in this? So our news media, in case you haven't noticed, has spent the last several years, quote, defending democracy, insert trademark here. So you'd think that democracy defenders would care about the collapse of democracy, but just the opposite. They're telling you it's all completely normal. It's always been this way. If you disagree, you'll be censored on social media, as we found out today. Twitter just slapped a warning label on videos from this show because we reported verifiable facts from election officials about election screw-ups. So it's taking weeks to count the ballots in your democracy, but you're not allowed to notice it. And let's not forget, this was the media about the Democrats' Iowa caucus and the fiasco that that was. Let's, let's do a way back. Breaking this morning, the Iowa caucuses. They're what's breaking because the system is actually broken. We don't have results, but we have news about why we don't have uh, results. And I'm only being sarcastic because this is an epic 
failure by the Iowa State Democratic Party. Who won the Iowa caucus? And that's a key question. And who won Iowa? We don't know who won. We still do not know who won. We still don't know the numbers. The headline is it wasn't the Russians in this case. It appears to be the Democrats who did it to themselves. Seems the jokes are going to start writing themselves. Look at the results. <laughs> exactly. Now, they are. Out of zeros. They can't run a bathroom. <laughs> How are they going to run you a democracy? Wow. Breaking overnight. Caucus chaos. 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 Chaotic. Chaos. A real debacle. Not a good look for the Democrats. The real winner here, the results are in, is Donald Trump. We don't know who won, but we know who lost, and it's Iowa. This morning, the two chief political exports of Iowa are uncertainty and embarrassment. So they thought it was pretty fucking cheesed up, and now... Now, folks, with this, it'll be next week sometime. We're having rider trucks you'll see in here just show up. The media is okie-dokie with long counting as long as the Dem wins. Again, when do you anticipate the votes will be counted in total, those 400,000-plus votes? Well, we have... uh... We will be going into next week. There's some onesie twosies, uh, again, pursuant to Arizona law. But I think that we'll see the lion's share here wrap up by early next week. Early next week, can you give me a day? Are we early, talking Monday? Or we- may, may, maybe. I, as long- the truth, everyone, as you know, is that it's going to take time. And that is normal. This is normal. Ordinary Arizonans will continue the ordinary work of counting votes. This is part of the process. This is normal. Yep. Don't get upset. Well, there are tens of thousands of votes remaining to be counted in those states, and the margins are going to be narrow, so it will take time. It take the process takes time. Takes time. So I'm going to say it again. This is going to take some time. It's going to take a little bit of time, but hopefully we'll have some clarity maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after. It's confusing. We need to count, so we need to be patient. We have to be patient. Just have to be patient. Let's be patient. And they're working really, really hard to try to get everything done in a timely fashion. So patience, patience, patience. Calvate. It's good. Right. It's fine. This is what this looks like. And I think it's a, a, a matter of informing and re-educating people of what yeah. happens in elections. Yeah. We've got a few days ahead of us, most Take likely. A- the counting here continues, and there are still hundreds of thousands of ballots left to go. And officials here tell us that despite what you might read on social media, uh, that is not evidence of suspicion activity or any incompetence. It's normal because 90% of Arizonans vote by mail, and every one of those ballots has got to be scanned, signature checked, and verified by a bipartisan adjudication board. None of that can start until Election Day, and all that is by state law, so this is normal. Overnight, another 78,000 votes were counted and reported, and that batch of votes boosting Democratic incumbent Senator Mark Kelly. He's up by about six percentage points now. His Republican opponent, Blake Masters, would have to win a huge... So these are your two ballots that were rejected? Yes. Unbelievable. So now they're telling you you have to go to another location. Yes, so it'll be like, the third ballot. And I'm hopefully that they will take it because these are voided. So now I have to do it again. Unbelievable. Out here at the Maricopa Elections Office, more Penske trucks coming in, apparently delivering 
ballots. I guess so. Yeah, so it's at 2836 Street is where they're where they're warehousing them. Yeah, 2836 Street. It's out on University by the airport. It's following one of the Penske trucks. Just left the elections office. the light, use the left lane to turn onto East University Drive. Just trying to keep an idea of chain of custody, what's happening with this election, make sure we don't see any of the fraud that we saw in 2020. But I don't have high hopes at this point based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, that's some chewed up shit. And you know it's crooked. I don't care what anybody says. That's why I put the Tucker up first. I said it last time, I'll say it this time. You'll never have faith in our elections every time important districts Somehow stop counting, take forever to count, and the Dem always wins. And more importantly, this mail-in ballot is fraught with fraud. They're sending out ballots completely filled out. You just have to sign it. And I don't care what you say. You can't keep doing this. Americans are not going to be good with this. It, it just, it, it doesn't work. So, to some odds and ends. This was the New Yorker scoffing because pro-parent candidates did surprisingly well, and they just don't like that. They, didn't, they had a big problem with that. Here is one of my favorite pre election sound bites. Here's Nancy Pelosi blaming Trump because her husband got hit with a hammer. President Biden drew a line between what happened on January 6th and, yeah. and the attack on your husband. The president said, I quote, the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those were the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States same. Capitol on January 6th. Do you draw that same line? Absolutely. There's no question. It's the same, the same thing. And uh, copycat or whatever it happens to be, inflamed by the same misrepresentation. But the fact is, right now, it's time for healing. 
We want the country to heal. This is not a path that we can continue on. And we want people to run for office, local, all, in every way. And you can't say to them, you're risking the safety of your families by going forward. There are no guarantees of safety. I'm very pleased that in August, we were able to reach a place where the Sergeant Arms informed the members of the House of a uh, amount of money that they would have $10,000 uh, to, and have the Capitol Police come and uh, evaluate what their needs were to make their homes uh, safer, because there was a recognition. When we're gone, our families are home, and that, you know, that's scary, or even if we are home. But, uh, so we recognize that. Uh, we, it was figured that that amount of money could do what it needed to do. Uh, in the homes. But I mean, you have a large security detail. You yeah. have mm -hmm. great protection ar yeah. around you. If if this can happen to someone in your family, it can happen to any member of Congress's right. mm -hmm. family. How does no amount of security is going to stop that? H how does this stop? I mean, how does this not happen again? Well, you would think that there would be some level of responsibility. Uh, but what, what you, you see what the reaction is on the other side to this, to make a joke of it. And, and uh, really, that is traumatizing, too. But nonetheless, forgetting them, uh, there has to be. I've been tweeting a lot this week that when he dies, these people are going to have a huge hole to fill. I mean, they'll be obsessing with him in hospice. They'll be saying, oh, my God, he's taking too much morphine. Fucking horrible human beings. This came out this week, which, you know, once again, the media doesn't care if righties get beat up or cities get burned down. And every time we go to one of these cases, what do we find? That the fucking FBI had informants in there. We know NBC had informants in there. I, I remember that. They were there filming. This past in Oregon, my bro, Matt No, one of my best listeners, he had to get his shit because now it's going to take you forever and more money to get a gun because guns are evil. It isn't going to solve their crime problem. It's going to solve their nothing. We're just gonna, it's going gonna, gonna to make the left feel more comfortable with themselves. Once again, we're not supposed to be questioning election, elections, but here's a girl that got her ass kicked by DeSantis. And um, look at that. She's questioning, questioning the 2018 election. Now, I thought we weren't supposed to question elections. So I wanted to play this um, soundbite with uh, Molly. But before I play that, let, let's do... The dumbest questions from Biden's press conference. Do you remember Trump getting these kind of softballs? When it comes to your legislative agenda, when you were vice president, your legislative agenda basically ran into a brick wall two years in when Republicans took control of the House, and that lasted for the rest of the Obama presidency. Is there any way for you to prevent that same fate from happening this time around? For fundraiser last month, you said, quote, the rest of the world is looking at this election, both the good guys and the bad guys. You noted you're going to the G20 in a couple days. 
You'll come face to face with many of those leaders the same moment that your predecessor is considering launching his re-election effort. How should those world leaders, both good guys and bad guys, view this moment both for America and for your presidency? You noted that you felt like there was a shift in terms of uh, people being willing to show more decency in this moment. You've often talked about breaking the fever or kind of a transition from this moment that we've faced over the last several years. Do you feel like the election is what represents that? Do you feel like the fever is broken, I guess? As you know, the Supreme Court has before it uh, the issue of college admissions and affirmative action. What can and are you planning in case of a rollback that is expected there are legal analysts that say that there will be drastic implications, there are tentacles from this, and they even say that this could impact Brown v. Board, the decision from Brown v. Board on humanity. Sir, you can't legislate and you can't executive order out the issue of empathy or the lack thereof in the midst of this rhetoric, this heated political. Yeah, that, that, you, you just can't get any more softball. It's all softball. They just don't fucking push this guy. I mean, I know he's got oatmeal for brains, but God damn. So I'm going to play uh, two back-to-backs. Here's Ben Shapiro and uh, Molly Hemingway. Two great sound bites. Got to get some conservatives in. And then you'll see the slider break into our media montage of gnashing of teeth that will break us right into woke. See you on the other side. When you get rid of these social institutions that actually are the middlemen for your life, right? They, they, they are the things that shape your life. They shape how you interact with society. And the closer the institution is to you, the more it shapes your life. Your family is a social institution. We've treated it now as a private institution. It is not. Family is a social institution. It has always been reinforced and undergirded by the rules of the road that exist in our communities, in our small scale societies. And typically, the way that you are shaped as a human being, you're born into a family, your family exists within a local community. That local community exists within a broader political framework, within a civil society. That local civil society exists within a state society, which exists within a federal society, right? There are these layers into which you are born, and they all shape you. When you eviscerate, as the left has successfully done in the United States, all of the layers between you and the federal government, and it's only worked with certain groups, but when you eviscerate those layers, people end up very dependent on the federal government. We really did see, given all the enthusiasm that was in the country, that Republican leadership really failed Republican voters. Republican voters were excited. The, the ground was very fertile for a big Republican victory. Joe Biden's approval is in the toilet. 75% uh, of the country thinks we're going in the wrong direction. Just objectively speaking, things are bad in the country, whether it's the southern border or crime or foreign policy, inflation. And that Republican leaders could not turn that into a big victory for Republicans really is an indictment of how they're running things. That elections are not run anymore like they were in the 1980s. There is now extensive period of voting where people who are smart are running get out the vote operations every day, hauling in ballots every day. Republicans keep on thinking that election day is a single day, and they think if they get everybody excited for that last day that that will be sufficient. Well, I, I mean, this really comes down to the people. 
Yeah. This comes down to the people. The people of the United States made their decisions. They decided who they wanted to be in power. And, and you know, you can try to repress the vote, but people came out from under buildings. They came, they came from helicopters. Yeah. They, they, they landed. They decided. They voted in huge amounts. Yeah. Never, ever, never give up on the American people when it comes to voting. It might not always go your way, but we will come out and do what and we're I, supposed I, to do. And I loved that because, you know, it was really amidst tremendous voter suppression yeah. that was going on all yeah. over the country. I have a friend, it's, this is anecdotal, but she lives in Texas. She's a Democrat from New York. She works in Texas. She couldn't vote. Democratic down the line. Mm -hmm. She had to find 97 individual yes. Democrats and then print yeah. them out on two separate sheets and then go and, and put yeah. them into the machine. But and it took did. her one hour. But she did. But it heck crazy. yes, she did. That's right. So, but, but, but it was so crazy that she not only waited online, but also it took her an hour just to fill out the form. The work that Stacey Abrams did is the reason that Georgia was in play in 20, was, is in play right now, and will continue to be in play for the cycles to come. And so yeah. sometimes you do not get to reap the immediate benefits for yourself of the work that you do. And right. I think that that is a story that black women all across this country know all too well. But people better stand up and give Stacey Abrams her That's right. That's by right. The, by the way, Moses. Thank Thank you. Yeah. Mo I lost my preacher. <laughs> so I'll, talk, I'll talk to my oh, preacher. He left. Yeah. Moses, he led the Jews to the promised land, but he didn't get there himself. He, he didn't get there himself, but God took care of Moses. Yes, Keep he reading did. the Bible, God oh. said, I will bury Moses. Y'all leave Moses alone and let Joshua keep going. And Stacy will get her due. God will reward Stacy. Anytime you see Ossoff and Warnock and Biden in Washington, you're looking at the work of Stacey A. Stephanie, let me ask you about this. The, the okay, hold on. Question. Wait, wait, wait. Can, 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 can we just say before we get to that, there is a dirty little secret that people don't like to talk about Please. when we talk about the economy being so bad or inflation being so bad. Just stay with me. We have two economies in this country. For, for people who are economically vulnerable before COVID, things are even worse now. But for people who have white collar jobs, yes, purchasing power is harder. It has become more difficult. However, one of the things that keeps prices so high is our willingness to pay those high prices. Consumer demand is still really strong. And I'm not just talking about buying bacon and eggs and gas. I'm talking about travel, leisure, yep. going out to restaurants. We're bitching and moaning that we don't like that hamburgers cost $25, but we're still lining up to go to those restaurants. Yep. So consumers who are yelling Ooh. about inflation, and I get it, it's bad. Turn it up. We've been saying this for years and years and years. It is, yes, about 365-day engagement in Black communities. It's also about money and dollars and investing resources in Black communities for voter engagement, for voter education, for voter activation, 
for black voter organizing. I can tell you uh, in places like Georgia, there was a lot of money moving around, but not enough money moving to organizations like Black Voters Matter, who, of course, people depend on, right, to activate and energize the black vote. But if they don't have the resources that they need to do that, uh, then we end up in this situation where we're asking, well, why didn't black people turn out? Here's the thing, Joy. Black people are up against voter suppression that's making it harder and harder for our voices to be heard. We are also up against misinformation and disinformation. And then frankly, we're up against this uh, uh, kind of rigged system, right? Where we're not investing money from the party that wants us to turn out our votes. Joy, this week alone, I and my organization moved $2.5 million to black organizations to activate black voters the day after the midterm elections, moving all the way to 2024. I'm not doing anything that's rocket science, and certainly I can't fund this on my own. We need the party who depends on our votes to also invest in our communities. It's really just that simple. A political newcomer made history in the governor's race in Maryland. His name is Wes Moore. He's a Democrat. He scored a decisive win over Republican Dan Cox. His victory speech was about maintaining hope in the face of cynicism. He campaigned on issues like creating equal opportunity and ending child poverty. Now, Westmore will become Maryland's first black governor and just the third black governor to be elected in U.S. history. Wow. So we were good watching morning. that it's night. Good to see you. No, we're, we're very excited that you're here, Wes. So we were watching that night. I want you to take us in the moment. Where were you? How did you get the news that you were going to be the next governor of Maryland? And what did that feel like to you? Talk about being bold, though, Wes. This is your first public office. This is your first public office. This seems aiming very high. And you want this job, why? Governor, uh, no one elects a resume, but you've got quite a resume. Uh, Johns Hopkins University, uh, Rhodes Scholar to, to Oxford, 82nd Airborne, a captain, a paratrooper, combat action. In that last guy was groomed. He was on uh, Morning Joe for years. Um, I don't really know what his background is for military, but... I don't think he was that good of an officer. I'm just just stabbing out there. So let's get into the stupid. So we got ultimate racist Eli Mistal telling the truth about white people. You know, once again, you can't say black people. To white people can exact a terrible price on one's career and opportunities. And our civil rights leaders know especially that far too often that cost is exacted in blood. What's the truth about white people, somebody asked. I mean, because, I mean, if we're going to generalize and be racist as fuck, well, I mean, let's just be, like, racist as fuck. Next, a study said that by masking all our kids, somehow, some way, we got rid of structural racism. And just so you know, Biden extended the emergency till next year, April. We're not having a COVID emergency, but he wants the COVID power. So, of course, yeah, it's next year. This happened this week. A black lady was strangled at a event. But, you know, I, I had an interesting sound, but I didn't know where to put it in. But I'm going to put it in right here. Media is just fine when righties get beat up. Secret Service said... They have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could 
Check. Oh, he comes. I'm going to punch him out. This is oh, my no, mom. I would pay to see that. I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy. No issues with that at all. You can just beat the whitey, white, right, righties up. And this is a black lady. She was a conservative. She got beat the fuck down. We've had a lot of post-election comments like this. They will tell you Stacey Abrams lost because black men didn't vote for her. It's not true. She lost because white people, white, didn't vote for her. Yeah. Because we're all racist. I mean, we're racist. Didn't you know we're racist? We're going to now spend a shit ton of money when he was praising old uh, John Kerry as the greatest soldier ever, a climate gender equity fund to help provide women climate leaders with technical skills network and slush fund. Just just call it a slush fund. That's that's what it is. And then, you know, to end it, like we always do on the race thing, something fucking totally silly now, because the white guy won it, it's systematic racism. Hmm. So we have a great trans abuse section. There is some freaky fucking shit in this. Hey, Blue, look at all these families. Hi, families. It's time for a pride parade. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one, hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies, they love each other so proudly And they all go marching in the big parade teaching you how to use frog frogs pronouns and sentences so let's go yeah that's it i'm republican now <laughs> you win <laughs> i'm done i can't do it right i'm accepting tolerant inclusive right whatever gender you want to identify as binary non-binary but uh not gonna call people frogs we draw the line at amphibians right you can't identify as a frog because you're you're not a frog Right. You know that, though. Right. You weren't cursed by a witch in a Disney movie. Right. You don't hop lily pad to lily pad. Hey, yeah, it turns out. Yeah, it turns out that this was all a lie. Yep. I was really just kind of hoping we could put all this behind us and move on. Is that like, is that an apology? Because it doesn't really sound like one. I know that I called you a grandma killer, but I really just wanted what was best for you. I actually couldn't visit my grandma in the hospital or even attend her funeral, but my heart was in the right place. I also lost my business and my job. I had good intentions and my kids' social, mental, and physical development was also hurt. Listen, we just didn't know. I knew, lots of people knew, but you refused to listen. Instead, you called us names and wished death upon us. Let's just call a truce, okay? But according to your hat, you care about social justice. What does that have to do with anything? Why don't you care about justice here? I don't hear you demanding apologies or reparations. Because that would have to come from me and we just need to move on. So you don't believe in accountability for systemic injustices when you're the one guilty. Can't we just build back and move forward? I don't want to build back a system that allowed this to occur. Don't you want peace? I found this sign on the ground. Maybe you recognize it. 
Okay, so this is our polycule. This is everybody, okay? And um, we also have two kids, but we don't show them on TikTok. Okay, so me and Kyle have been together for eight years. Been poly the whole time, okay? Me and Kyle are in a triad with Kit. We have been together, the three of us, for three years. We have one child together, and she's five. Oh, we don't show the kids on TikTok, though. Okay, so me and Kyle, and me, Kyle, and Kit, we're, we're triad, okay? Okay. Now, me and Sam and Kit and Katie met around the same time. I started dating Sam and Kit started dating Katie around the same time. My dogs are going crazy. Okay, so I started dating Sam, Kit started dating Katie, and then um, just about a little over a month ago, um, we moved everyone in together. So everyone lives in the same house now. We all live together. Also, I should have definitely done this at the beginning, but pronouns, minor she, her, he, him, they, them, they, he, and Kyle's are he, him. Um, also, Sam has a son who also moved in. So total, there are five adults, two kids, two dogs, 11 cats. Now, um, I personally, uh, Katie and I, we don't really have like romantic feelings towards e each other. We have a huge platonic love for each other and we're really great friends. Um, Kit and Sam are literally the same person and they're best friends um, and same thing. They don't really have a romantic love, but they have a platonic love for each other. Um, Katie and Kyle, I won't speak for them. I really don't know. Like, I think they're just like, they're, they're the two like awkwards of the group where they just like finger gun at each other all the time, you know? And then Kyle and Sam, uh, they just bro it out. I don't know. I hope that kind of covered it. Um, again, so you have the triad, Savvy, Kyle, Kit, and you have Savvy and Sam. Kids are always welcome at drag shows. Well, my daughter was in fifth grade and she was being socially transitioned by her school behind my back. Um, I, say what that means. So what that means is that they were, the school was using a, a name that she made up, so not her name that was given to her, and different pronouns for her. Um, and she was actually using, you know, that like she didn't use the, the girl's bathroom, for instance. She used the, the bathroom in the office um, if she would have been, she, so she was uh, 10, 11 years old when this was happening. Um, if she would have been older in my state at 13, she could have gone in opposite sex spaces without me ever even knowing. I did not know um, that this therapist from the first moment she sat down with my child so I had to give permission again because she was under 13 at 13 she could have gone and I never would have known that's important yeah. um, because that's it's it's a it's an issue in our state that's that's very 
terrifying for a lot of parents. Um, but she was using male pronouns and the made-up name for my daughter for the first half hour she sat down with her. She saw her for, um, and I didn't know this, um, she saw her for a half hour um, once a week for two and a half months, so a total of five hours. And she called me right before the pandemic hit, um, and she was using the male, pro male pronouns and the made-up name, and she was telling me that she wanted to have a meeting with, with my I don't want to hear it's not a cult. It, it's, it's a complete cult, 100% cult. We're talking about a cult. This picture right here is the Alameda, California, recently put on a pride celebration. It feeds drag shows for kids because, you know, New York Post did an article. He's stuck by his man and married weeks after he turned out as trans. Hmm. No, those are lesbians. Somebody's just dressing like a guy. That's not actually a man. Vice, NBC, all ran these stories again that it's hard for trannies to vote because they can't have a different name on their shit. Like X. Okay. What's wrong with Minnesota? How do you... I'm Seriously, I'm not... I'm not biased. I, I don't give a fuck of your unicorn, but I don't know why I would vote one of my leaders who has a mental illness and doesn't even know what gender they are. I, I don't see that ever happening. Dave Chappelle's going to be on tonight, and he is getting boycotted. And I sent a pic, uh, question to uh, Fly on the Wall, the podcast of Dana Carvey and David Spade. I wonder how they feel about it, because the only ones I've ever known about was that Tina Fey wouldn't be with Sarah Palin, and one of the females wouldn't be there when Andrew Dice Clay won. This week we had a first, a dude won a beauty pageant. To the good part... That's a guy. Sorry, it's not a woman. Then Project Veritas broke this. Connecticut school director details sexual fantasies with minors. They, the students, are naughty. They spread their legs wide open every day. There are different panties on. It's hot. It's hard. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. It's very I mean, literally and figuratively. I can solve that. I'm sure they can, but that possibly means me losing my job, my reputation. It's always it's way too easy. That's Iman Rasti. Born and raised in Iran, he is a middle school English teacher at Greens Farms Academy, as well as the seventh grade dean and the director of the private school's writing center. He met up with our journalist, and instead of discussing curriculum at the school, he chose to describe his adolescent
female students in a graphic, sexual manner for nearly two hours. One thing they do these days, they sit down in front of me. Purposefully sitting somewhere in a class that is completely directed to sponsor me, and they <clears throat> spread them into idol. And that's just brutal. Brutal. Every day there's different angles on green, black, white. And they make sure, and it's like they talk to each other, so the three of them do that. The three of them? Two, three, depending on the group, because they are not shy about sharing their, I'm guessing. Sharing their what? Their, their, how they feel or how what they're up to, because girls do it also solo or together. They're not, I open their legs wide open. And I'm teaching, and I see what I see. They make sure that panties, panties are like positioned in a way that I actually see the thing. Well, you saw the underwear. What else did you see? I can see the side. So I control my teaching, so I do the best I can. Because if I do three people are talking there, two people there, you know, it's not going to work. They have to give me all their attention. So I'm talking and I look down and I see that. You see what? And I see someone sitting like this. Like what? Like this. I can't see this thing. They're sitting like this. Short, short, scared. Clean panties. Or kind of inserted in. You see that? See what? You see that? You see that picture of um, the image? But it was not image. The actual. You say what did I say? It's your picture that you saw. Oh, that's why. Well, how can you concentrate? How can you continue talking what you're talking when you see that? I don't know, for women, you see, I don't know, I guess for women, it's sexy too. You see a man with a heart on that, you know, maybe it's sexy, I don't know. But you find that person sexy, probably. I don't know if it's sexy for a man to see a woman or a woman to see a man. I don't know that. But what I know is that it's hard to continue talking as if nothing has happened in your mind, in your brain. And they smile. And they smirk at you. And they close and open, close and open, open, open. They're not. Like when girls start having sex, it's, it's interesting for someone like me who has been in and out of relationships and all my life and married and all that. You see changes in face and appearance, you probably too. So you see a 15 year old girl and then. Next year they come back to school and they say, she's a woman. She's a woman. There's no way she has gained weight just doing nothing. It's clear that she has had sex. A lot of sex. Part of the reason why those girls give me attention 
in addition to me being genuine with them and honest with them, I think is maybe they did that bond, the sexual tension. I think I, I feel like they did it. They don't say anything. Look at them. Now, after our journalists met up with Rosti, we weren't sure if his statements were true or just a fantasy conjured up in his mind. But in a second meeting, he doubled down on his statements. Okay, and then what happened? That's real. What happened? What? What happened? That was real. Everything else I told you. I... So. Sitting in the mic in front of me in a chair and spreading lights so I can see. Making sure that when they bend over. Making sure that when you go. Okay, but. When they write. Yeah, when they write, they yes. can see their. A nice, big, beautiful firm. Yeah, I see them. Yeah. So everything that you told me about them was fantasy? Except for what I see, the side of the pictures, the asterisk, the, the bending down, and no, I have not. Despite Rasti's claims that he hasn't done anything with his young students, he said he is willing to make exceptions on his, quote, principle to not F his students. I, uh... Get the vibe. Uh -huh. It's obvious, but I refuse because I don't want my students. That you don't. Come. That's my principle. That's your what? Principle. I, okay. I don't do that. But sometimes I make exceptions. Okay. Sometimes. It's important to note that Rasti, who was a college professor when he was younger, admitted to our journalist about having numerous sexual affairs with his students at the time. Not with my K-12, but college. Mm -hmm. I had sex with many, 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 many of my students. In light of his alarming sexual statements regarding current adolescent students, we reached out to Tom McAndrew, retired 25-year veteran of the Pennsylvania State Police. McAndrew led major criminal investigations and performed personality profiles of offenders. We had McAndrew review our interview for his assessment of Rasti's comments. The concern with this particular individual is that he sort of has blurred the lines uh, between fantasy and reality. He certainly is in a position of power and authority, and he should recognize that role. When I was in the Pennsylvania State Police, uh, the unit I was in, we would often look at threat assessments and uh, elevation of somebody's behavior. And certainly this individual would strike me as somebody, if he has not already, acted out, meaning, you know, victimized uh, children. He certainly has thought about it. When they start to justify that behavior in their mind, which he seems to do throughout that conversation, it becomes very concerning. If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. I wouldn't want this individual around my teenage uh, child when... It's fucking sickness. People like that need their fucking asses kicked. And people like this, Ontario, this is okay now. They're not going to make him take off his fake prosthetic titties. But it's you and I. We're, we're the garbage humans. And finally, before This Is America, this article made the rounds 
this girl who says, I'm too pretty to work. Fuck getting up at 6 a.m. every day for six years. Um, I don't want to hurt her feelings, but she's not really pretty. Sorry. So let's go ahead and do our This is America on this one. We have CNN saying that it was Lee Zeldin's fault that he got violence near his house and he almost got murdered. And Cuomo, whose show is failing miserably over there on News Nation, saying that Florida really wasn't a big deal, even though in my lifetime it went up from a toss-up state to a solid red. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. This is America. As someone who takes uh, my kids every day on the subway in New York City, very close to where you are this morning, um, look, yeah, uh, homicides are down, but rapes are up, robberies are up, felony assault is up. And you talked about uh, your, your opponent not having solutions. One thing that Lee Zeldin has said he would definitely do if he becomes governor is that he would, through an executive order, repeal immediately the bail reform law that was passed. You don't love that law the way it stands. You've wanted changes to it. Would you do the same as he is saying he would? Would you repeal it? Through executive order? Again, that, that is such a simplistic approach. It, it negates the fact that it's about how we support law enforcement. And he voted against, you wouldn't support funding for the police. I tripled the <laughs> amount of money for law enforcement. We're supporting violence disruptor programs. He, to say that you're just going to change one part of the system, it shows a na- naivete that it's not going to be a real solution. So we did make targeted changes to the bail laws covering gun cases and repeat offenders. That has all just been in effect for a few months now because of what I was able to accomplish in the budget. I'm always willing to look at it again, but the data is not showing that that is the cause of this. There are individual cases, but compared to pre-pandemic and when this was passed, I don't think there's a real disparity, but that doesn't matter. We're dealing with people's feelings here, and I understand that. I'm a mother. You're hardwired to care about your children and your family's safety, so voters need to know that we have a plan. We're working on this and just putting up ads that say you have the answer when you really don't. When you don't think we should be getting guns off the streets, you want to give guns to every teacher. You want guns in the subways. That is just irrational to think that that's going to make people safer. Then I just think people need to know uh, really what's on the line here is someone who's been working in the trenches, rolling up her sleeves, getting the job done and not just running around the state saying all you have to do is repeal a bail law and all the crime will disappear. I think people are smarter than that. Kayla, I know you want to get in. Let's just a point of clarification here. This is according to CNN and and other fact checks. There is no evidence to suggest that bail reform is a major factor. And, you know, if that changes, of course, we will um, tell you. But so far, there's no evidence linking bail reform to what is... Come on, in Florida, they get it done in three hours. Now... In this race, where they had huge margins, they got it done well, the in margins, three hours. The margins don't but have anything to do. The margins don't have anything. Florida, the margins don't have anything to do with how many ballots you count. The idea of holding out Florida. 
Well, yeah, sure it does. No, sure it doesn't. It does. uh, no. Well, not, not, not in terms of the count rate, right. but in terms of needing procedures to double check, close counts, recounting. Oh, so you're saying Florida's you sloppy the because they, they have big no, margins? No, I don't think Florida's floppy, but I do think that you got to have a little bit of a memory here, okay? Uh, as we saw from former President Trump today, uh, the race where DeSantis won was not the cleanest race in the world, all right? We had the FBI down there, and we had, like, uh, monitors in every county because of problems, and this is the home of the hanging chad. So mm -hmm. you Using Florida as an example of how it's done well, I think, is a little silly. But we certainly can do better. Up but they don't it want it to do better. They don't want it to be better. We have early voting now, but they don't want more access. They don't want more oh, efficiency. Oh, come on. There's huge early that's voting in have, Florida. There is early voting in Florida. I'm saying something else, Lila. Oh. I'm saying... They have early voting now, but the procedures are different everywhere. The yeah. timing is different everywhere. Florida doesn't allow election day drop off, which they do in Arizona. They got 290,000 ballots dropped yeah. off on election day. They had to signature check all of those. It's a so, lot. What are the rules? Why aren't they uniform? Why isn't the focus on enfranchising as many people and doing it as efficiently as we do with our money? Right. You pay all your bills online, but we won't touch any type of real <laughs> modification of this process. Why? Huh? Because the overarching cultural goal is to keep the numbers down. Oh, that's why. On. So we can do. How well, else would you explain these inefficiencies? How else? I, I mean, we, we, we have all the power your money. Lottery, you've never have... seen it. You don't have a coffee can at your house. It's all online. It's all digital. All our all our money. We do that way, but not voting. We won't have any efficiencies put into voting. We our last soundbite for the day, and I know it's been a lot of soundbites and quick vignettes and popping things in and out, and I hope the little sliding thing with the sound effect doesn't annoy the shit out of you, but I wanted to add it because everybody has something like that except me. This video is pretty fucking sad, and being a person that's still dealing with COVID complications from the vaccine, I had an appointment, I'm probably going to get my gallbladder yanked after a food allergy test, and I still, you know, I'm sleeping in a bed, which is great. Um, but I, I still have major problems if I eat the wrong things or just, it just isn't right. This is a nurse talking about what they're doing to babies. I'm probably going to lose my job. And if being a nurse means that I have to just sit back and be quiet, and watch other babies get jabbed with different substances. Um, and I have to be quiet when I find out that 22 of them died in the month of August at one hospital. And that it's very likely that all of those mothers were vaccinated because that's been the pattern over the last year and a half. All these babies that are dying, all these babies that have these new health problems that no one's really seen before. All the echoes that are done on these babies because something's up with their heart. Um, breathing issues, NICU, all this stuff. These have all been increased. So, it's not right. So if being a nurse means that I don't get to save my own mother, I don't get to save babies, and I have to sit back and be quiet while people are doing things that are evil, then I don't want to work there. No amount of money can make me inject toy poisons into a baby. And if as a mother, if you don't get that disgusting feeling when someone tells you I have to inject this toxic substance into your baby and you don't shout at the top of your lungs 
Just stop. You really need a wake-up call. That's a sick, sick video. I didn't even think about it. I never thought about what they're doing with babies. That these people are, it, it's a fucking cult. They literally give the babies what mom's getting. And it, it's fucking scary considering that we know there are complications. Sorry, I take my stomach meds to keep on track. So, I think if you walk away with the key sound bites, that baby one, they voted Hochul in. The Connecticut school teacher, that's some fucking scary shit. Wes is a manufactured candidate. I think Molly Hemingway nailed it. What are we doing to improve this? What? And you start with the first slide I show you that Dems can get out there and lie and say whatever they, they want. The media will support it. But what's more shocking with high gas, high inflation, um, crime rampant everywhere Dems will vote for a potted plant. They have no standards. It's just the D. And I don't mean the dick. Because they're cool chicks with dicks. I mean, it's just the D. You put a D next to a fucking... This can of fucking Vicks. And they'll vote for it. They don't look for candidates. And surprisingly, even though Donald Trump hasn't picked it up yet, Republicans literally vote based on good candidates and bad candidates. I mean, that's that's pretty fucking good. It wasn't good enough to get all these people out to vote for shitty-ass candidates. They just weren't going to do it. So I want to do a lighter fare. I'm going to search for something because I don't have any jokes yet. And, uh... We'll play a couple. In international news, new polling data indicates that Russia is poised to interfere in the midterm elections. That's right, Mac. A two-point Republican lead suggests the outcome of the midterm elections is almost certainly going to be Russian interference. It's looking that bad, huh? I'm afraid so. In fact, the data suggests this may be the worst Russian interference we've seen since 1938, when Republicans gained eight seats. Truly sobering. How many seats are we expecting Russian interference to cost us this time? We don't know for sure. Democrats are still ahead in places like New York and Illinois, suggesting that those states are going to have the most secure elections in all of history. Uh, But we'll only know that for sure based on who wins. Fascinating. At this point, what can be done to protect our democracy? Uh, simple grassroots measures like campaigning, voting, uh, having every major news outlet and social media company come together to suppress stories about Hunter Biden can all ensure more free and fair elections. Good to know. Coming up after the break, mo' money, mo' problems. Top 10 reasons another Great Depression might be just... EXPLOSIONS! GUYS! Ah! 
This is girl talk! With Leonard Stacy! Welcome to Girl Talk! With Gwenda and Stacy! I love being a chick! Same Gwenda that kicks ass! We're back today to talk about... Girl, girl Problems! problems. <coughs> Clap! Today in women's news, our rights are under threat! What?! That's right! A woman's right to have me in the locker room with her is being challenged by women across the country! This is just like The Handmaid's Tale! I shouldn't be made to feel unsafe in the locker room just because these ditzy broads are jealous of my sick packs. Last week I was kicked out of 7-Eleven just for being naked! These are the issues that matter to women! This is what women think about! But does anyone bother to ask us? No! It's always men! Always men speaking for us! Do you hear that? It's gossip time! Where we read the hot goss from our girly fans across the country! Our first letter is from Justine! Dear Gwenda and Stacy, my pecs are huge. Nice! I am so sick and tired of cisgenders trying to tell me to get out of their bathroom. I don't care if it's your ninth birthday party, I'll kick your ass! You go, girl! You may have guessed by now, I am currently in jail purely because of transphobia. What?! The good news is when her dad saw me hitting her, he basically gave me a sex change for free, so joke's on him. AWESOME! Huh, honey? It's my boyfriend, Kaden! Get out of here, Kaden! This is girl time! Have you been punching holes in the wall? You wouldn't get it! You're just a boy! C could you please stop? Ah! I don't think you realize how threatening you're being, Kaden! I... I'm just asking you to please stop. Back off! Back oh. off! You're cornering me! Back off! Uh. Men really don't realize how intimidating they are when they enter women's spaces! fucking love those freedom tunes. Next podcast, which we'll shoot for uh, Tuesday the 15th, um, I got a Matt Best 11X Bronco one, which is really fucking cool. And I have a, uh, what's the other one I grabbed? I grabbed uh, Black Rifle Coffee Does NASCAR. Two cool fucking videos. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share there's a family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com to find links to all our shows. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. This morning I had a very interesting walk. I wore my green, very warm puff jacket, which got completely drenched in the rain, sleet, and snow. And the next thing you know, I was soaked to the fucking bone walking back. Yeah, not not a fun time um but it was nice to see some snow flying early in this and this week's thing was uh once again going to the doctor and finding out that i'm going to get an operation but then the battery on the jeep died seven years old and if you think that the economy's bad moments like that is when you realize how fucking crazy it is just like 18 months ago i bought a battery for my boat and those are deep well batteries they're really expensive 
I paid $95. I paid $160 for a Jeep battery. It's an Everstart. It's not even a great battery. It's just a Walmart battery. But that's all I could find. There was nothing in stock that didn't cost $290. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. Good times. But Anyway, no, it's a long show. A lot of sound bites. Had to hit it. Try to do less sound bites next time. If you find the transition slide boring, please tell me and I'll cut it out. But I thank you all for listening. You take care, stay warm, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday.